Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy tour through mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 81, Batala and his daughters. Yeah, um, I am excited for this one. It's nice to take a trip back to the Philippines for this episode. Absolutely. It uh, it made me feel hot and humid as we were recording. And mm-hmm. I very much appreciated the drink that you made for this episode in particular. I do love tequila during the summer. I think this is going to be my my summer drink is going to be tequila. Usually I yeah, gin. Yeah, me too. Exactly. I like a light rum, a gin. We were really big into gin last summer. Uh, but, you know, tequila and mezcal, like my faves right now. You know what the thing is? They're like, it's a little bit of saltiness to the drink. And then it adds like a nice contrast to whatever sweet thing you're mixing it with. So the drink that we made for this one is kind of a twist on an ocean mist, which you can find a link to a traditional ocean mist in uh, the description of this podcast. You know, I think an ocean mist is my favorite dance move to do on a yacht. That is correct. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People who frequently dance on yachts in the summertime are our new patrons, Rose, Iron, and Anna, as well as our supporting producer level patrons, Neil, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Jessica, Maria, Cammie, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. You all, um, your best friends never die. That was depressing as soon as it came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's relevant to the episode. It is relevant to the episode. And if if you want to drink to forget, which we don't always suggest, but if you decide to do that responsibly, you can turn to our friends at shakerandspoon.com. We partnered with Shaker and Spoon, who are one of our sponsors and one of our absolute faves, um, to do the legend level boxes for our patrons this month. So the people that get physical merch in the mail from us every single month, they got a classy ass 
box of cocktail stuff, supplies and a jigger and a juicer. And it was so, so good. And you can use all of your new supplies to make some delicious Pisco related cocktails. It was very classy. Our, our dear friend Leanne Davis posted pictures of it on Twitter. And I was like, dear God, why didn't I get one of those? I know, I know. We, we got to work it out. But if you guys want to go check out Shaker and Spoon, which do like these incredible cocktail boxes that they send to you every single month, you can go to shakerandspoon.com and use the code SPIRITS for 20 bucks off your first box. You would be joining the ranks of Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Ashley, Buggy, Ashley Marie, Leanne, and Cassie. Yeah, that sounds like a true party as well as the wonderful like summer trips that people have been telling us about on Twitter. People mm-hmm. are going on road trips. People are going on plane trips. I know that we know somebody that's spending the summer at sea doing like a semester uh, in in marine school, which is so neat. That's cool as hell. Do you know what a trip is a great excuse to do, Julia? I think it's a great excuse to show your friend a creepy podcast that will make you think that you're seeing ghosts on the side of the road as you drive through the country. Uh, not creepy at all. Or like lay on a beach. That's how I, I listen to creepy podcasts myself is like lay in the sunshine and keep my eyes open as I scan the horizon and listen to creepy podcasts. That sounds like you. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, if you have friends who are traveling, if you're taking trips with friends, if you're about to go on a trip and you haven't listened to any of the other shows on Multitude, take your friend's phone, subscribe them to Spirits, subscribe them to Potterless, subscribe them to Join the Party, to Waystation. We have so much great stuff for you. If you like the show, you're going to love the others as well. So that's the absolute best way to help us out, to help start our summer off on the right note and keep the show growing. Yeah, and keep yourself entertained. Those There's long days where you're not in school or not at your job, and you should enjoy it by listening to creepy-ass shit. I love it a lot. That is kind of how we do. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast, Episode 81, Batala and His Daughters. Amanda, you know what I love? What? I love complex family dynamics and mythology. Yeah. I know that's a very specific thing to love, but here I am talking about it with you. I mean, pretty good, pretty good podcast to start if you want to talk about it more. You know what is also something that I love? Um, Musicals. Yes. Peanut butter pretzel flavor combo. Yes. Floral gin. Yes. Me. Yes. What? Uh, Also, on top of all of those things. Thank you. I love amazing mythological daughters. (gasps) Yeah. So uh, this week, we're going to talk about the daughters of Batala. Okay. And Batala, who is also known as Batalang Melika, or the actor of creation, or Talang Maikapo, or the actor of power is the supreme being and creator of the universe for the Tagalog people of the Philippines. Yo, what's up, Philippines? We're heading back to the Philippines. It's been a minute. Yeah. Listeners from the Philippines remain, I think, the most engaged and, like, national pride listeners of all. Like, every other week, we get a tweet from somebody about the Aswang and, like, mm-hmm. keep them coming. I love them. Uh, I'm going to call back, I guess, to our Aswang episode and be like, I apologize in advance for any mispronunciation that I do. We learn as we go. We try our best. And we are always uh, excited to learn more stuff. 100%. 
So sorry in advance. Let's do this. Let's get a little bit of interesting background about the Tagalog people's beliefs. Okay. Um, so the Tagalog religion is known as Tagalismo, because Spain, and it is a mix of polytheism and animism, which later had influences of Hinduism uh, through trade with Asian states. Okay. When the Spanish colonized the Philippines, they brought Roman Catholicism with them because that's what they always do, always. Uh, and they forced it upon the Tagalog people in an effort to replace the shamanistic belief systems. I bet there's some syncretism on the horizon. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know how it goes. Even though by the 18th century, most Tagalogs were adhering to Catholicism, there was a secret passing down of indigenous beliefs to younger generations and preserving the belief system, which, let's be real, is my favorite goddamn thing in the world. And I see yes. you like fist pumping in the background. I super am. Good job. Good job. <laughs> I know. It's really good. Uh, so while Batala predates the arrival of Spanish missionaries, he is later identified with the Christian God. Uh, and in some Tagalog languages, specifically uh, Visayan languages, uh, Batala is synonymous with God. Cool. Etymologists, my favorite people in the world, uh, believe that the name comes from the Sanskrit word for noble lord. And in Indonesian language, Batara means God and the feminine form is Batari. Wow. Which I got real into etymology this episode. I know. Any, any, um, like linguistic etymological, uh, you know, diversion that includes Sanskrit is probably going to be great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100% yeah. of the time. You cannot find me a word that does not fall into that category that is not amazing. Oh, yeah. Try 100%. me. Try me. <laughs> Give me a word with Sanskrit origins that isn't fucking awesome. I've got a quick description of Batala, though it's from a Spanish source, so just take that with a grain of salt as we move forward. Yeah, we do our best to find primary sources when we can from people who, you know, are experiencing and actually living these beliefs, but sometimes the historical record is patriarchal and white supremacist yeah. and, uh, you know, colonial as fuck, so we do our best. Yep, all those things. So I quote, they said that this god of theirs was in the air before there was heaven or earth or anything else, that he was ab eterno, from eternity, and not made or created by anybody from anything, and that he alone made and created all that we have mentioned simply by his own volition, because he wanted to make something so beautiful as the heaven and the earth, and that he made and created one man and one woman out of the earth, from whom have come and descended all the men and their generations that are in the world. And that sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I imagine that the the writer of this text, you know, was kind of interpreting that as evidence for the rightness of his own presumably Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, like, wow, look at this story. It's so similar. This must be the God that I believe in, you know, experienced and um, told by someone completely alien to me right and that is a completely valid reading of the source and all of that i think you could also read it as hey as human beings we tend to come up with the same stories exactly so to a spanish missionary that's probably what it sounded like mm -hmm. to me it sounds like wow human beings have been asking the same questions all over the world for all time yeah where do we come from who made us where do they come from mm -hmm. and it is pretty cool the kinds of I don't know, like the psychology we imagine mm -hmm. of a deity, which is by definition so like 
alien and unlike mm. a, unlike us and bigger than us. Um, but the fact that we imagine like either they want to see beauty or they're lonely or they want to like try out their skills and like level up constantly. I think it's it's pretty like I don't want to say adorable, but like it's very humanizing that it human kind beings of adorable, imagine though. like the highest form of being as also like wanting to look at pretty things yeah. and you know not be lonely. And I, I like I like to just kind of put myself in the heads of the folks who are trying to imagine these things They're yeah like, okay uh so how do we get here uh, something created the universe what's the something uh, uh a god who made the god he's just been there always so why did he make the universe he wanted something pretty okay cool i guess <laughs> Same. Uh, how did humans get there he made him out of dirt why dirt it was there, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> i just like it i just like the like kind of weird improv circles that must have happened in order to like philosophically come up with a reason behind creation yeah and not to say that it's you know a story that doesn't mean a lot to people right, and no, that there are like does. very sophisticated theological like reasoning that people have discovered slash come up with over history um but i personally find real connection to people who have come before me by imagining them in like a really humanized way yes. and thinking of kids as asking like mom why is the sky blue the god made it that way or like uh you know why why fire um okay so zeus got mad one day and you know like it's just it it really makes me smile and makes me have a lot more um kind of empathy and understanding for people outside my own time oh yeah i prescribe to the belief that like human beings are very intelligent yeah but when we're just starting to figure something out yeah it takes us a minute to get there and also it's the it's the most like distilled like vanilla extract version of a story that gets passed on over time like oh, yeah. really strip it down to the basics For which sure. is why i love when we're able to bring like really lyrical and poetic you know for, like sources into mm -hmm. a discussion because that's so rare so often it's like you know the fewest number of words possible mm -hmm. um that that gets kind of transported across the centuries and the millennia yes i completely agree i didn't want to make it seem as though we are dismissing the concept of creation stories for sure more, but that's how we understand it and like yeah. wrap our minds around it is like I, I put myself in the situation like if i were trying to understand why the universe was made for the first time i, like, would I not can't be imagine at it. it i know i would I know. suck at it me too <laughs> okay so moving back on to batala um part of the worship of batala has to do with anito which literally means the literal act of worship okay which basically it is offered prayers and sacrifices to ancestral spirits. Alrighty, makes sense. So the devotions are given to the ancestral spirits because Batala is a great lord and no one can speak with him directly because he lives in Kaloahation, which basically is heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ancestral spirits provide for the living for Batala. So they're kind of a intermediary. Oh, I see. I thought I thought the train was going the other way around. No. Yes. So the ancestral spirits kind of stand between heaven and earth and they mm -hmm. provide what Batala can't because he's too far away. Yes. Nice. Um, when a person dies, the soul of that person becomes one of these spirits that serves Batala. Oh, yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. And, and kind of a, you know, a really interesting example of a bigger concept that you know, those who go on or around you, you know, and, and like can participate in your life in some way. But this idea that, you know, someone who um, has died becomes like part of like the fundamental act of like a deity's love right. and, and like keeping of human beings is pretty lovely. Right. And that they're still part of a community and network even after they die. And Precisely. they're still assisting the people that they love. Yeah. And the community death. stays together. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I 
I do too. There are a couple of different accounts on how Batala made the world. All right. Um, one story tells how Batala was so gigantic that the sun shone bright beside him as he hunched under the sun, too tall to straighten up without burning himself. Oh my. Which I like that a lot. I got some Sisyphean vibes over here. So one day he pierced the eye of the sun with a bolo, generating just enough heat to create and sustain life, and was able to finally stand straight, pushing the colder portion of the sky just beyond the earth. They understood that like space was cold. How cool is that? Amazing. Yeah. Oh and that the, the light and the heat of the sun can be really destructive if it's anything less than like literally the like 10th of, you know, uh, the scale that Earth currently exists in. It's so freaking cool. I love human beings. Also, the, the ability to conceptualize the sun as like a really big thing that is far away and also huge that's not intuitive. No. Like you look up at the sky or you look at like a cartoon of the sun rising and falling. It's like the atmosphere is like a, like a closed just sphere that mm. just rotates a bunch. Yeah. And like, that's easy to come up with. That sun's on a track and moves back and forth and is small and, and whatever. But that is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Another story tells how there were once three gods in the universe. Batala, who was the caretaker of the earth. Ulilang Kulawala, a huge serpent who lived in the clouds. And Golong Kulawala, a winged god who loved to travel. Same. Yes. Tag yourself. <laughs> but they did not know each other. Okay. Did they know of each other? No. They didn't know each other. They didn't know of each other until the moments of this story. Oh, man. Don't you love that trope in fiction as well of like, I thought I was the only one mm -hmm. to meet another person in my tribe. <sighs> it's real cool. I love it. Uh, so Ulilang would visit places and Earth was one of his favorite places to visit because he was lonely. That's the snake guy. Uh, one day he ran into Batala and Ulilang was not pleased because he saw Batala as a rival. Okay, I mean, that happens. Uh, he challenged Batala to a battle to decide who would be the ruler of the universe. But after fighting for three days and three nights, Batala slayed him, burning his remains. Smart. I mean, the, the dead can come back most of the time. So, you know, burn those remains. Batala then met Galang, the winged god who wandered into Batala's home. They became best friends for many years, Aww. which is very sweet. He's uh -oh. like, hey, I just found this house and you seem cool. Let's become friends. A butt. But then Galang became sick and asked Batala to bury him where Ulilang's body had been burned when he died. Okay. So he dies. Batala does this for his friend. And out of the grave, the two bodies form together to create a tall coconut tree. The first ever. Whoa. I love that. Uh, Batala, inspired by the coconut tree, decides to create creatures for the earth, building the first man and women a house out of the trunk of the coconut tree and allowing them to drink the milk and eat the coconut, eventually learning how to make clothing and tools and rope from the tree. Yeah, and like the coconut tree, as Moana taught us, uh, has everything you need for the exactly. most part. That's a really good first object. Yes. And predates human beings, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. And he's like, uh, I need something, you know something to like eat these coconut things and make stuff with it cool 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 we'll make people that seems cool that seems like the opposite way that things work but i like it you know, you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, we yeah. as human beings are very much like i need a thing i'm gonna make that thing where right. this god was like i love this tree i'm gonna make people to use it yeah i mean it's very beautiful though because mm -hmm. you know in in its use that thing becomes even more useful and special you know, even though it necessitates the like consumption of the thing in order to give it this different purpose. 
Batala had a lot of kids. The ones that I'd like to focus on today are the three daughters that Batala had by mortal women, because I think that gives them a nice little twist, and I like their stories the best. Also gives you the ethos of large Irish families, which are, some are going to be okay. (laughs) Some are going to be fine. It's cool. You got 12, some will be fine. Don't worry. So we're going to start with Mayari, who is the oldest of these daughters. Word. One of Mayari's infamous stories was about her rivalry with uh, Apolaki. So Apolaki was the son of Anogalai, the goddess of lost things, which, oh man, I, I want to dig into that, but another time. That's a, a tombstone epitaph for you. Goddess of lost things. Like mm-hmm. imagine who will come to the, oh, I love it. I love it. And Dumakulim, who is the guardian of the mountains. Uh, and they were born around the same time, Mayari mm-hmm. and, uh, and Apolaki. The light that shone upon the world and enabled the people and animals to see came from the bright eyes of both Apolaki and Mayari. They were loved by all because they provided this light that allowed people to see everything. I mean, yeah. Because the light of the world shone continuously from their eyes, it was always daytime on Earth. Okay, okay. Uh, in the story, Batala grows sick and falls into a deep slumber, and Apolaki and Mayari have a quarrel, each wanting to take his place and rule the world alone. Okay. Apo- classic succession drama here. Yes, for sure. Maybe the first. So Apolaki told Mayari, I am the man and I will succeed Batala to the throne. But uh-huh. Mayari, uh, uh-huh, I know. <laughs> uh, but Mayari said that she would be the one to take her father's place as she was her father's daughter. They fought until words could no longer express their rage. So they picked up clubs and began to battle. Oh, no. I like they, how they started with words, though. Like, good good effort, y'all. Hey, debate first and then pick up weapons. Yeah, that yeah, seems okay. fair. So they fought until Apolaki was able to strike Mayari in the face, blinding her in one eye. Oh, no. Yeah. Slash, I see where it's going, and I love it. Seeing what he had done, Apolaki stopped the fight and apologized, offering to share the world equally between them, saying, let us reign by turns and be friends. Okay. So Mayari agrees, and they split their reign into two. Apolaki becomes the sun, flooding the world with warm light because the light beams from his two bright eyes still filled and the light still filled the world while he ruled. There you go. Mayari became known as the moon, bathing the world in cool and gentle light because she was blind in one eye. Hot take, moon's better. I, totally I mean, agree. think about all the stories we've heard the moon involved in. Always, always better. So much better. 100% of the time. You got gardens, you got cool nighttime flowers, you got wolves, you got like you know fertility tie-ins got tarot Mm -hmm. i love it yeah uh so just a note because i'm sure someone will bring it up uh in some stories apalaki is also known as adlaw and is one of batala's other children which adds a whole other level to the story oh of like the sibling situation yes yeah because they're not siblings in the story that i told but in some stories they are siblings and it's a whole thing i like though that um they can both be what they are and be complementary. Like any, I mean, I, I love this kind of balance, whether it's like our very first episode with Persephone in the seasons, um, you know, or like the very many gods and goddesses we've talked about that uh, embody, you know, diametrically opposed things. I think it's really instructive for just your life to hear examples of how in, you know, mythology and folklore, different things can actually both be valuable and be more valuable for the presence of the other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one winning out. Right. And I like I like the idea, too, because a lot of times when you're looking at um, folklore about the sun and the moon, they're like rivals yes. a lot of the time. And like this was the case there, but they decide, hey, this is stupid that we're fighting. Let's share 
the universe itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a much better ending to the story, in my personal opinion. Absolutely. And as anybody near the poles of the earth will tell you, all night or all day, not great. No, it kind of sucks. Aside from the story, Mayari is known to be the most charming and beautiful of the goddesses and is also the goddess of combat, war, revolution, hunt, weaponry, beauty, strength, the moon, and the night. What more do you need? I mean, she's basically got it all covered. Agriculture, whatever, just, fine. Just goals, honestly. <laughs> In her honor, there is a courtship tradition that takes place on the night of a full moon. <gasps> Suitors give a corsage of sampugueta which is a type of flower i think uh to the woman that they're interested in and if she accepts them she wears the corsage and the two pledge their love with the moon as their witness love it it's really sun cute. god get at me get at our level <laughs> by ours i mean we're both moon goddesses round craggy sometimes got half a face sometimes not there affect the water around me moon goddess Correct. That's that's us. That's both of us. We're going to move on to Tala, who is the goddess of the morning and evening star, and her name means bright star. I am hearing some liminal space vibes, and I love it a lot. Mayhaps. Some transition between night and dark, uh, and just, those are the same thing, and light. Every year on RuPaul's Drag Race, there's this thing called Snatch Game, where the um, queen's sort of dress as celebrities and like have a panel show it was fucking incredible this year some was my angelou and like quote of poetry and it was it was incredible but they brought back my favorite snatch game participant of all time who is a queen that dressed up as judge judy and uh rupaul loves judge judy and to see rupaul just like laugh over just the appearance of this queen in judge judy drag was like the best thing i've ever heard i love it that sounds amazing so good with tala there is a story about how the sun god in the story is known as aro and mayari both had large families of stars but Mayari was worried that her stars could not survive the heat of Aro. Okay. So they both agreed to destroy their stars. But when Aro devoured his, because, you know, Vor. Men. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just made myself laugh with a Vor joke. That's fine. Listen, I don't yuck a yum. Live your life. Mayari instead hid all of her star family in the clouds. Yes. Where they would occasionally emerge because, you know, they're clouds. They're not super... They're kind of patchy at times. They're very chill. Um, So Aro discovers this and is angered and eternally is pursuing Mayari in an attempt to destroy her. Hence the sun and moon going round and round. I I like them just equitably sharing Earth better, but uh, fair enough. Uh, So at dawn, Mayari hides the stars and brings them forth only when Tala, who is the evening and morning star and is first to appear and last to disappear at night, says that the sun is too far away to capture the rest of the stars. That is very beautiful. I like that imagery a lot. I like that imagery, really. It's awesome. I love it. Do you remember uh, when we first learned that uh, clouds were water? Do you remember that? It was no, in like I don't. I mean, you might have like learned it just in in your as a as a kid, but for me, it was in eighth grade earth science where we were learning about the like various states of you know water. Yeah. And then I just like for whatever reason the first time put it together that clouds were just like water hanging in the air, and I was like, ah! it was like the, the it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. It was uh, it was amazing. Um, I I like your cloud revelation, and I like that it took you to the age thirteen. <laughs> Listen. I have other strengths. All right. I know you do. <laughs> Just not pop culture. I think in a nine of my earth stuff. science regions. Missed that. Missed that hundo. Uh, so oh, well. Nice. 
Okay, uh, so Tala is said to have supported the creation of the Tagalog traditional constellations and uses light spheres or orbs to ferry men to safety at night. Ooh. This, of course, was ruined by the Spaniards. Damn it. Uh, Spain? Who demonized the light orbs and called them Santelmos or i mean saint elmo's fire yeah um so they are now considered a creature in philippine mythology and are called a ball of fire in fields and swamps it bounces along and rolls away it changes into a beast with fire in its mouth travelers and fishermen follow it at night they walk and walk till they are tired out then they cannot find their way home they walk into the deep mud and thorny bushes. They get dizzy and become insane. They must reverse their clothes to, st- uh, to send it away. Then they can find their way home. So this actually mirrors a bunch of different trickster spirits from Western folklore. So it's not completely surprising that the Spaniards adapted those lights into something sure. malicious because it's what they were familiar with. Yeah. And that's how syncretism goes is either you subsume an existing tradition and say, yep, that's that one's Jesus. Don't worry. That's God. Yep. That too. Or, or it's a demon. you make it part of kind of demonology. So rather than them being guides from the goddess, which is a much more pleasant yeah imagery i was going to say it's such a nice departure from this like will of the wisp style like inherently malicious you know trickery type thing yeah nope instead they are tricksters that purposely get travelers lost which kind of sucks Damn it, Thanks, colonialism. come on uh so the last is hanan uh who unfortunately is not as popular as her sisters i couldn't find as much information on her she's listed within the trio constantly right but it's she's the peggy yeah she's the peggy uh so she is the goddess of the morning okay uh the first prayer of the day is given to batala apalaki and her as a sign of the new day all right she is involved during the entrance of a new age or a new phase in a person's life she is offered bountiful harvests and prayers during the birth of a child the transition into adulthood the death of a person the entrance into planting season the beginning of a new harvest and the start of the annual cycle love it there's your there's your liminal there she is my liminal (laughs) goddess Uh, so these prayers must be done at the break of dawn because morning uh, and her symbols are the dawning sun and, of course, the rooster. Hey. Uh, yeah, so that's our daughters and Batala. I love them all. I love this creation myth. I love the Philippines. Me too. Same. We should do a trip to the Philippines. That's going to be like a high, high Patreon goal. I know, right? Or like, I don't know. I'm just saying, I think we can make a TV show. And I think it could be about traveling and experiencing folklore in different places. And that's all I'm saying. Hey, hey tv networks hit us up hey if you're a tv producer or you know one get in touch get in touch <laughs> so i think that was a, a rather sweet episode i do i i like it a lot i like that it's stuff that i you know look at and experience every day um i love that version of a like benevolent will of the wisp um a sort of you know guiding force i also just love i, I know this is a little bit like inherently gendered but um i i love stories where either it's it's true or fiction like women have to kind of resort to subterfuge and like they don't have the inherent power in society mm-hmm. and aren't gifted with like resources and and like the power to do things so they make do with what they have and it's you know hiding it's doing things in the background it's like the slow burn long con and i just think it's great it's it's you know doing what you can with what you have and being badass despite society um not letting you be 
I 100% agree. And I love stories about empowering women. Right on. And, so And like literally fighting for like their control over their over the world that's I know. cool as hell and i love that in in the version that you shared today her answer to well i'm the boy was well i'm the girl <laughs> like what do you want i'm the daughter fuck yeah. you yeah doesn't it's, mean you're better than me ah it's awesome so yeah. listeners as you look up at the sun and stars and moon remember stay creepy stay cool Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. <laughs>